When I was a young child, I didn't do much praying. And I didn't believe in a God who answered prayers. It didn't make much sense to pray, although I wouldn't have minded a God who answered prayers about better grades or a new car or being very popular in school. But honestly, prayer just seemed abstract and distant. And the idea of pray without ceasing, well, that just seemed plain silly. But over the years, and really honestly just in this last month as we've been exploring prayer together, my understanding has changed. You'll remember several weeks ago, Kate Tucker explored this idea that at its basic level, prayer is about relationship with life, with the interconnected web, with love, with God, that mystery. Call it what you will, but it's a relational thing. She also suggested that we might imagine each person, each human being as a prayer, a living, breathing prayer unfolding in front of us day by day, week by week. And just last week, we looked at two basic prayer structures to experiment, experiment with in our own lives. One was based on the structure of the Lord's Prayer, not the content of the Lord's Prayer, but the structure, and it was a simple structure, a four-part structure, some salutation, some way to address that larger source, to state your intentions regarding that larger source, to state your own requests or hopes or needs, and then to end the prayer. You can listen to this on the podcast from last week if you don't remember or want to refresh your course um, the other really simple structure we explored last week came in the form of the children's story when I spoke with a bunch of children all over this chancel and floor and all of you in the pews and said there's, there's this fundamental human prayer that has these different elements and they are simply thank you, right? Thank you, that place of gratitude. Wow, that place of awe and amazement at what's going on in life or at life itself. And then the third piece of that is help me. When, when we're stuck, when we need other hands and ears and thin people to surround us and help us. So the structure is simple. I invite you to try this out anytime. Thank you. Wow. Help me. You can do one or all three, but that is a fundamental response, a prayer to being alive, I would argue. Some of you resonate with this prayer stuff. You love it. You tell me in the receiving line, this is great. I'm praying again. I've reclaimed prayer. And others of you, maybe like Rich, who shared his testimonial, are more like, ugh, this prayer stuff is hard. I need an individual prayer plan, <laughs> you say to yourself. So let me acknowledge that difficulty around prayer. And, and to say that no matter what you believe, whether you're an atheist or a theist or a Christian or a Buddhist or a pagan or a Jew or a whole bunch of hyphenated things because you're a whole bunch of different identities or aren't sure what you are, the word prayer for all of us, I think, can feel challenging. And we often feel like failures at prayer. That reading from Barbara Brown Taylor, I think, sums it up quite well. And once, once we begin to push and poke and look at prayer and pull on a little prayer thread and it starts to unravel, all of these bigger questions emerge that make it even more challenging and complex for us. Who or what are we praying to, we ask? Are we compromising our intellect if we pray? Are we using the right words? Are there right words? Is anyone, anything listening? Does anyone, anything even care? In fact, who cares really about prayer? Our tendency as Unitarian Universalists is to ask lots of questions about 
prayer, all of them very good questions, I think, and we could spend all morning exploring and examining those questions, but what if those are the wrong questions? What if that's the wrong approach to take? What if those questions keep us at arm's length from prayer and prevent us from actually experiencing prayer, from praying ourselves, or even trying to answer the question, pray without ceasing, what does that mean? I would suggest to you this morning that prayer at its most basic level might be understood as a quality of attention. Prayer at its most basic level might be understood as a quality of attention that we bring to the world around us, to our deepest, most truest selves, to the larger mystery that surrounds us. What if we pray for people in the world? What if we pray for people in the world not because we want some deity to know and intervene, but because we want to make sure we know and we can act with our hands and words and remember what we need to do in those situations? What if we pray for people in the world not because we want some deity to hear that and intervene, but because we want to remind ourselves We want to hold those things in our highest level of awareness and attentiveness. I want to lift up an example of of this, and some of you may notice if you come here right before the service starts, you'll notice Kate and I are usually up here, Ruth and I, whoever's leading service, and then right before the service starts, we'll disappear and go into this back chancel room. I'm going to tell you what we do back there. We just gather, it's really simple actually, it's not a huge secret, but we gather for like 30 seconds or, or, or a minute, and we'll take some deep breaths, and we'll hold hands, and we will pray together. And what we lift up in those prayers, we're reminding ourselves what we cannot, should not forget, and that is that we are thankful to gather once again and worship with this community, that we hold those of you in the pews who we know are struggling with loss or any number of things, we hold you in that space. We remind ourselves what a privilege it is to serve this congregation. We ask that this service might let the spirit move, that we can get out of the way so that that greater spirit can be present with us all. And we remember in that prayer time, we remember the men and women who have gone before us, who sit with us in this space, who are witness to what we do here together. God may or may not be involved in that prayer, but it's a prayer for me and I think for Kate and whoever's with us that's a refocusing. What must we remember in this hour? So what if prayer isn't about changing the world out there, but the world in here and the world in here? What if the Lord's prayer, or any prayer for that matter, has nothing to do really with the Lord, but everything to do with us? and how we hope to align our lives with that greater love, that source of life? What if prayer changes us, and then we change the world? I'm reminded of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and his struggles in the civil rights movement. As he took leadership and began to lead some of the bus boycott movement, he came under increasing pressure, threatening phone calls during the day and the evening at night. 
And one night late, he received this very uh, menacing phone call, a threatening phone call, and he fell into despair. Didn't know if he could continue on with the civil rights movement. So he went into the kitchen and brewed a pot of coffee and sat down at the kitchen table and just started to pray out loud. Just began to pray, to name his fears, to name the worry for his family and didn't know if he had the strength. And as he tells this story, he heard this inner voice or a voice, it doesn't really matter. He heard this voice say to him, I'm with you as long as you stand for justice and righteousness. And that experience, as King points to it, was a turning point in his life. He recommitted to the civil rights cause. He recommitted to nonviolence. He gave, he, at that point in time, he had a, a, per, a permit to carry a, a handgun. He wanted to protect himself with a handgun. He gave that up and recommitted to nonviolence and recommitted to the movement, certain that there was a larger presence with him, but also having deeply, deeply reminded himself of those things he could not forget, that this cause and the people were important. Maybe that's what it means. Maybe that points to what it means, this idea of pray without ceasing. But for an even deeper understanding of that, we have to move to the poets, because the poets say it best. This is a poem from Mary Oliver, morning poem. Every morning the world is created. Under the orange sticks of the sun, the heaped ashes of the night turn into leaves again and fasten themselves to the high branches. And the ponds, the ponds appear like black cloth on which are painted islands of summer lilies. If it is your nature to be happy, you will swim away along the soft trails for hours, your imagination lighting everywhere. And if your spirit carries within it the thorn that is heavier than lead, if it's all you can do to keep on trudging, there is still somewhere deep within you a beast shouting that the earth is exactly what it wanted. Each pond with its blazing lilies is a prayer heard and answered lavishly every morning, whether or not you have ever dared to be happy, whether or not you have ever dared to pray. What if? What if the rivers and the rainstorms, the moose and the laughing loons, the blackberries, the lapping waves of Lake Superior, what if those are prayers heard and answered every morning? What if prayer is that quality of attention we bring to the world, to one another, as living, breathing prayers? What if prayer is simply, simply waking up to this world? As the 15th century Indian poet Kabir says, do you have a body? Don't sit on the porch. Go out and walk in the rain. If you are in love, then why are you asleep? Wake up, wake up, he says. You have slept millions of years. Why not wake up this morning?
Amen. What if we have been sleeping for millions of years as stardust and dirt and rock and water, and now we're awake, living in these fleshy, stinky, farty, beautiful... I did say farty. It's true. (laughs) But we're awake, living in these fleshy, amazing, fragile, beautiful, diverse human bodies growing our religion out of our body's experience as we experience this unfolding prayer, this earth around us? What if, as author Barbara Brown Taylor says as she wrestles further with prayer, prayer is waking up to the presence of God no matter where I am or what I am doing? She goes on, when I am fully alert to whatever or whoever is right in front of me. When I am electrically aware, electrically aware of the tremendous gift of being alive, when I am able to give myself wholly to that moment I'm in, then, she says, I am in prayer. Prayer is happening, and it is not necessarily something that I am doing, she says. God is happening, and I am lucky enough to know that I am in the midst In your order of service, there's a painting. There's a copy of the painting. It's a picture from a chapel in Ravenna, Italy. Ravenna, Italy, sorry. And it's Moses. It's hard to see in the painting, so I'll describe it. It's Moses in front of the burning bush. You'll notice there's a burning bush there. Like the figure is Moses. But you'll also notice if you look closely that there are burning bushes everywhere. This is based on the story in the Bible where Moses encounters the holy in a burning bush. And he realizes it's holy ground, so he takes off his shoes. So in this picture, he's taking off his shoes in front of the burning bush. But if you look in the landscape, it's hard to see that there are burning bushes everywhere. Meaning, meaning that holy ground can be anywhere where we are attentive and present and aware of the mystery. It's like the Buddha when he sat under the Bodhi tree as he strove to achieve enlightenment. It was just a regular old tree in a regular old place. And as he approached enlightenment, Mara, the god, the lord of illusions rather, came near to him to distract and disrupt him and prevent him from achieving enlightenment, but he held fast. And he called upon the earth and the tree to bear witness to his Buddhahood, to his enlightenment. And he was enlightened, and the place became holy. What if pray without ceasing means waking up and seeing that any place, person, thing is in fact part of the whole and holy? As E.E. Cummings says, and those of you who know this first part of this poem, come along with me on it. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. What if pray without ceasing means giving voice, like E.E. Cummings does in this poem, to those words, the deepest words of our heart? the deepest words we know about joy and sorrow and love, 
Those words that come out as prayers just spilling out of us like snow melt rushing down the mountainside, like a rainbow filling the sky after a downpour. Like those words that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said at his kitchen table, whatever they were, but they were the deepest words of his heart. The words or tears that pour out of us when we hold a newborn child, our own or a grandchild or a friend's child. And the only prayer I had when I held Tucker, our son, for the first time after I had cut the umbilical cord, and there was a lot in my heart and mind, a lot of love, more love than I knew I had, a lot of fear, but the only prayer that came out, and like it came out a lot, was, it's a boy. <laughs> it's a boy. It's a boy. We didn't know until that point. And so he was out and alive, and my wife was alive, and I was still alive, and because it feels like something is going to, something can happen. It happens in those moments where everything is, matters comes into sharp focus. And so to be on that side, the deepest words in my heart were, it's a boy. And that, of course, meant I love you, Juliana, I love you, Tucker, everything else. What if pray without ceasing means letting go of the need to define, to explain, to control everything, and instead give ourselves over to the dance of life? As the poet Rumi says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. And what if I told you this morning? What if I told you this morning that I'm an atheist? That I'm serious? That I don't believe in a big bearded God any more than I believe in Santa Claus or monsters under the bed? Or that the rapture is just around the corner. Speaking of the rapture, real quickly here. I'm sure many of you have seen, maybe I didn't believe it, I'm not just kidding. Speaking of rapture, <clears throat> you know this bumper sticker, right? You've seen the one, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. <laughs> right? Unpersoned. In case of rapture, this car will be unpersoned. But here's the bumper sticker I'd love to see. Uh, how about this one? In case of rapture, can I have your car? <laughs> I'd put that on my car. <laughs> but what if I told you I was an atheist and I was serious, that I don't believe in the bearded God or Santa Claus or monsters under the bed or a second coming or any of that? And what if I also told you I do believe in God, that I am totally and completely dependent on something larger than myself for my very being, and that's the word I use to point to that? Don't confuse, like the Buddhists say, the finger pointing at the moon for the moon itself, nor the word for the experience. And what if I told you I'm both an atheist and a believer, and many of you in the pews said, oh my gosh, me too. And we laughed about that, and then saw the poet Walt Whitman standing next to us saying, do I contradict myself? Very well then. I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. 
Believer, unbeliever, it doesn't matter. We contain multitudes. Is this holy ground? Is the bush on fire? Is every bush on fire? Is prayer happening right now? Is God happening right now? Are we in the midst of mystery? Check your pulse. Feel your heart beating. Are you alive? Are you breathing? Let the deep words from your heart take flight like birds rising from a field, soaring into a blue sky. Give voice to your prayers. Let your heart sing out in praise, even if your spirit carries within it the thorn that is heavier than lead. Bless this world with your attention. Bless your brothers and sisters with your attention so we might lessen the loneliness we feel. Contradict yourself. Pray without ceasing. Let go of fear and remember that every morning, every new day, is a prayer heard and answered lavishly whether or not you have ever dared to pray. Remember, this is holy ground.